When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Dan. Let me tell you about Football Insider. It is our subscription service for football fans, Browns fans, uh, that you can sign up for at cleveland.com. You go to cleveland.com slash Browns, and here's what you get. Uh, you get our texts. So Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and me will text you during the day with uh, thoughts on the Browns, news, analysis, sometimes the little nuggets from interviews we do that don't show up on stories. You get an exclusive newsletter every day with uh, an exclusive piece of content that we write only for the newsletter. And of course, you get access to stories on cleveland.com that you wouldn't otherwise get access to. On top of that, we do a post-game show with our Football Insider subscribers. Uh, We do Zoom calls with them. They get to be a part of our podcast, get to pick football games on our podcast. There's lots of cool stuff available to you. So if you want to check it out, go to cleveland.com slash brown. There's a big blue banner right at the top of the page. You can't miss it. Click on it, get the details, get signed up. Here's our pod. Everybody, welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. It is just the two of us here today on a Tuesday. It's a little bit of a throwback, I guess, uh, on the Orange and Brown Talk pod. Um, yeah. Let, let's get right to it. The Browns, obviously winners uh, on Sunday over the Colts. But as is the case a lot of times in the NFL on Mondays, we have to start with some of the bad news. And that, of course, is injury news. Uh, and we found out today that Greedy Williams is going to go on injured reserve. I, I guess it's a little bit of a surprise at this point. I've had some back and forth with our, with our football insider subscribers over Greedy whenever his name comes up. Um, and, and I've always said that it sure feels like this injury has caught the Browns by surprise because you'd have thought they'd have IR'd him at the beginning of the year. If they obviously knew he was going to miss this much time. They didn't. Now they've kind of gotten to this point where this is certainly going to be an issue where it's going to last longer than, than they had to have thought. Well, I actually knew that he was dealing with this nerve injury, but it was something that uh, a person had asked me to kind of keep it on the down low uh, until the Browns were ready to actually announce it and say something about it and figure out what uh, what they wanted to do about it. So I kind of knew that this was what was going on and, I wasn't really able to, you know, let people know that how upset Greedy has been about this. He's been really, really upset. He's worked very hard to come back. Uh, Sometimes you see things on social media where people, you know, think that he's not, you know, hurt enough to be out this long or whatever. That's not the case whatsoever. It's like almost, um, I don't want to say it's like a, a paralysis in there, but, you know, he doesn't have the full feeling in his shoulder that you would need to actually, uh, utilize that shoulder as a cornerback in the NFL, obviously uh, needing that part of your body very much. But uh, so it's really unfortunate because now that means that Grant Delpit, their second round safety and their second round cornerback from last year in Greedy are both out for either all of the season or much of the season. And that's unfortunate because that's really not what they were hoping for. 
in their secondary. And their secondary is taking a lot of heat. And I think that uh, these two guys being out uh, have a lot to do with it. Yeah, obviously the good news is they have some depth there at corner. You know, Terrence Mitchell has stepped in and this is a guy that has started before and, and he's playing pretty well this year. And now Kevin Johnson is back healthy. Uh, he, he played a fair amount yesterday. So you've kind of got him now in the nickel. I know MJ Stewart has, has been getting out there. So they're getting healthier, at least in, in the cornerback rooms. Um, but not having greedy is, you know, they decided to go into this season with him as the number two corner. And, and this was going to be an important season for him. I think we committed a lot of offseason talk to Greedy and, and whether he would be the answer uh, across from Denzel Ward. And unfortunately, I, I just don't know if we're going to get that answer this year. And, it's, you know, it's nobody's fault. Injuries happen. But it, it's just it, it's a tough team building thing now for the Browns that they're going to have to figure out with maybe not a whole lot of information. Yeah, I mean, really, when you look ahead, you really don't know for sure how this, and you really don't know how Grant is going to come back from a ruptured Achilles. Now, most people do come back from ruptured Achilles, uh, but it's not, you're not always necessarily 100% in your first year back. Uh, so I think they're going to have to work around these two guys as they move forward in their roster building. And I think even you know, with the trade deadline coming up here on November 3rd, I think they're going to have to look around and see what, what they can find. Now, fortunately, Ronnie Harrison stepped in and gave them some really nice safety play yesterday. Obviously, he had the pick six. That's amazing. Uh, they have not had really very good safety play this year. Those two guys, Carl Joseph and Sandejo, they have been hovering around grades in the 40s according to pro football focus that puts them in the like 69th best and 75th best safeties. That's not going to cut it. I mean, you've got to be up in the, uh, the teens, at least the twenties, if you're getting the kind of performance uh, that your team needs you to have. So hopefully Ronnie Harrison, now he's got a concussion. He got a concussion in that game. Sheldrick Redwine stepped in for him and played really well. And I think there's more that Sheldrick can do. He's excited uh, to go out there and show what he's got. Didn't get a chance until yesterday, sort of surprisingly, um, but got the chance, came up with a pick of his own. So I think you'll be seeing more of him. He graded out really well in that game. He graded out higher than any other Browns defender against the Colts, Sheldrick Redwine did. Uh, so I think better safety play is on the horizon as well. Yeah, I, I'll be curious to see what Sheldrick Red, Redwine can do. Obviously, it was great. He, he came in and, and he made that play, played really well. Um, and, and now, look, if he's called upon to start, that's a very different situation. Uh, when, when Ben Roethlisberger can go into a game and know, hey, here's a guy who's hasn't played a whole lot. We're going to pick on him a little bit. We're going to test him. You know, Chase Claypool just had four touchdowns on Sunday. Uh, that, that's always a good opportunity to kind of see what a guy can do. But, but certainly credit to Sheldrick for coming in. And with Ronnie Harrison, you know, sometimes with, with guys like this, you know, fans, they want to see a guy play, right? And I think, you know, for us, I think we kind of wanted to see what Ronnie Harrison could do too. And it just wasn't happening. Um, you know, concussion aside, not, not knowing how that's going to play out over the course of the week, but uh, maybe, you know, with Carl Joseph suffering that injury in practice, it's one of those things where, okay, now this coaching staff was forced to put him out there. And when they put him out there, he performed really well, made one of the biggest plays in the game. Uh, and, and, he sort of forces their hand a little bit. Sometimes it can be a blessing in disguise. 
if, if an opportunity pops up for a guy, especially like Harrison. Yes, and he only played, I can't remember how many snaps. It wasn't a ton of snaps. It was like 20, I think it was like, oh, in the game. I thought you were going to say for the season. I think it was like 25. Oh, yeah, 25 I don't know what it was the game. before the concussion. I think it was somewhere around 20, 19, 20, but he graded out extremely well in the snaps that he had as well. So again, I think if you look at, at Sheldrick and Ronnie, and once he gets back from this concussion, you might be looking at uh, a shakeup at the safety position with those two guys, or at least more of a rotation with those two guys in there. Uh, because we know that the other guys have had their problems, they've had their issues, and, uh, and they, you know, they really need to pick it up there on the back end. I mean, I think they'll be okay at cornerback, because like you said, Terrence Mitchell's playing pretty well, Kevin Johnson's coming back, and now I think better safety play is coming. Yeah, so Ronnie Harrison was at 37 snaps. Uh, Redwine was at 19. Okay, um, there we go. I got him. Yeah, yep. so that was, uh, you know, that's look, 19 is a good number of snaps for a guy to kind of get called on and thrown out there and, and sheltered Redwine and um, to, to play like he did. Now, the other, the, the other big injury, of course, is Wyatt Teller. Uh, playing at a Pro mm -hmm. Bowl level, right guard has been so important to this running game. Kevin Stefanski called it week to week which seems to indicate that they aren't planning on him being out there Sunday against Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a calf injury. We'll, we'll see what happens again between now and Sunday, but uh, you know, Chris Hubbard stepped in and played well at, at guard. We come to find out today that he's never played guard in the NFL and only took one rep at guard during practice this week. This is a guy that now is playing all over the place, but you know, again, this is a situation. Okay. You came in and you played really well. How's it going to be different when a team prepares for you and knows you're going to be there and it's going to, you know, kind of plan to attack you a little bit. But it sounds like the Browns are going to be relying on Chris Hubbard at least this week. Yeah, I think so. And he did a remarkable job stepping in there against a good defensive front. I mean, these guys had DeForest Buckner, you know, one of the best in the game uh, on the other side. So uh, he did a really, really nice job. Speaking of grades, he graded out very, very highly in the snaps that he had. And he played, you know, three full quarters of the game and, and really gave a nice showing for himself. And that's good. And I think because he's got so much starting experience under his belt that he was able to step in there and apply what he knows at tackle to the guard position. The other thing that I'm thinking is because they do spread it out a little bit on that offensive line, he had a little breathing room on either side of him. Whereas if you were playing regular O-line, you know, you're kind of packed in there and it, he might have felt like a little claustrophobic, but, uh, you know, because they kind of move around and spread it out a little bit, I think it was an easier transition for him. I meant to ask him that today and I didn't get around to uh, getting my question in, but, um, but that, yeah, they're going to have to count on him. And I, I think, I think they're going to be okay. The other thing is, you know, when you're wedged between two really good guys, it's easier to do your job well because you know that those two guys are holding it down. So I think he'll be fine. I think he can do all the things that Wyatt did. Big loss for a while of Wyatt. I'm guessing that if we're calling him week to week right off the bat, that, you know, I don't want to put a number on it, but I have a feeling he's going to be out for a little mm -hmm. while. Um, but yeah, that's a big, that's a big loss. We've seen all the things that he's done just in terms of his athleticism his sort of mauler ability, he's been tremendous. Yeah, one of the really great stories, obviously, of this season. And 
hey, look, it was good to see Hubbard get out there in space on that Dearness Johnson run and, and kind of sprung the big, the big play. And then Richard Higgins had the block uh, right behind that, you know, just like they drew it up, right? Chris Hubbard leading the way for Dearness Johnson and Richard Higgins uh, springing that big block. But let's talk about Higgins a little bit. We talked about him in the postgame show as well. But, you know, again, here's another guy. And, and this is why, you know, when a team is four and one and they're winning, they're, they're just really fun to talk about because things like this happen. So Richard Higgins uh, comes out of nowhere and active for two games in a row, catches a touchdown pass from Baker, has the big block. Uh, I know Browns fans absolutely love Higgins. It, you know, it was, it, it's good on him to get that opportunity and then take advantage of it. Yeah, you know what? And we've been saying this before on, on this podcast, Dan. He does have a natural sort of knack for getting open and catching touchdown passes. And I don't know what his touches to ratio, you know, touchdown ratio is, but I think it's probably pretty good uh, for the amount of snaps that he has. Uh, you know, and Baker kind of knows where he's going to be and what he's going to do. And I, we, we asked him about that a little bit today. And he, he did say, you know, I do kind of have uh, you know, just a, a way about me to, to get open and to get in the end zone and to concentrate, to catch the ball and to hang on. And, and he did that. And of course that brings out for Hollywood, it brings out the, uh, the red carpet and the paparazzi and fans love all that. So, you know, that adds a little uh, element of fun, but I think the key with Richard Higgins last year, he was in the doghouse. Okay. Did not think he was going to be back with the Cleveland Browns. He was in Freddie Kitchen's doghouse, could not get himself out no matter what he did. I'm telling you, he was one of the players that, I mean, he just saw right through Freddie Kitchen's. He knew that Freddie Kitchen's was in over his head and he wasn't the only one. Many of them felt that way, okay? Most of, most of the guys on offense felt that way. Um, but Richard was, was one of the, the biggest, I would have to say, sort of anti-Freddie guys. And, uh, and now he feels valued, heard, believed in. So you can take him out of the lineup and make him a healthy scratch for two games. And it doesn't end up with him back in the doghouse. It doesn't end up with him, you know, complaining about his situation. The coaches played it straight with him. They tell him they believe in him. We're, your time is going to come. Hang in there and we're going to get you on this football field. And sure enough. Kaderil Hodge goes down with a, a hamstring injury. Richard Higgins is right back in there, keeps his focus and his attitude good, and goes out and catches a, a very meaningful touchdown pass in a big game. Okay, uh, you want your your touchdown to catch ratio or whatever we're going to call it. Uh, in the last yeah. three years, six touchdowns, mm -hmm. forty-seven catches. The last two years, uh, yeah. only two touchdowns, but on eight catches. So uh, that's, that's pretty good. One of those, of course, was the game winner against Buffalo last year too. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, think about that. It's uh, for, for as many, for as few uh, targets and catches that he has, he has a significant amount of touchdown and, and hopefully uh, for him and for this coaching staff, they will recognize that because there's something about him. That's what we said uh, in the podcast leading up to uh Maybe it was this game or one of the other games where, uh, you know, we were talking about that, that he just has that way about him and Baker feels comfortable with him. And Baker, you know, Baker was off in that game yesterday. And we, we should talk about that a little bit too, Dan. I mean, he's just not the accurate Baker that, that we expect, right? 
we expect that, and, and we, we see him, he can throw on the run with the best of them. You know, it looks like there's no way you're going to be able to nail that pass when you're on the run the way that he does. And it doesn't matter if he's throwing across his body while he's on the run or whatever. He can get that where it needs to go. He'll throw dimes in that regard. Other times, it's he gets too hyped up and he sails the ball. And it was sailing on him yesterday. It was sailing on him. He overthrew Odell Beckham Jr. twice in the end zone. He overthrew Austin Hooper twice in the first half. Um, he had a what would have been a third interception dropped by Xavier Rhodes in the second quarter. So it really wasn't a good Baker game, even though he had that 116.4 rating in the first half. It wasn't a thing of beauty, let's say, right? Um, and and I, I do firmly believe that um, – you know, he came back in that second half and had a zero rating and two interceptions. You can't do that. I mean, you just can't do that and, and continue to survive because your defense, okay, maybe the defense will continue to bail you out week after week after week. Maybe it will. But there might can't come a game where the quarterback's not going to throw interceptions or you can't punch the ball out away from the running back. And the quarterback is going to have to play well down the stretch and in the fourth quarter. Do you agree? I do. Let's talk a little bit more about Baker. We're going to take a break here, though. Uh, and first, I want to tell everybody to uh, check out and join uh, Terry Pluto at our Medicare Guide webinar on October 22nd at 2 p.m. The webinar is presented by Cleveland.com and Medical Mutual. It'll help simplify the complex process of finding the right Medicare plan for your needs. Terry, together with our experts from Medical Mutual, Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging, and Discount Drug Mart will guide you through the process and answer your most pressing questions. Go to our cleveland.com Facebook channel, click on the Medicare event for more details and registration. We're going to take a break and then we'll talk a little more Baker Mayfield. Back on our Tuesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. And yes, Baker Mayfield, um, really good first half. Had him on the move a lot. I'm um, actually kind of working through rewatching the game a little bit right now as I slowly go through on Mondays. Usually it takes me way too long to do, but um, you know, Baker, like you said, you'll see throws he makes on the move and it's just, whoa, you know, the throw to Kareem Hunt was one, right? Um, yes. There was a throw against Dallas and, and I can't remember who the defender was, but perfectly placed ball right about right around the outstretched arm of the defender uh, yep. right on the money to, I believe, Austin Hooper. I'm blanking on who it was, but it was going around Twitter for a little while. Um, you'll see him make these throws on the move where it is just, like you said, deadly accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, and then sometimes, I don't know, sometimes the easy ones have caused him some problems and he's had some overthrows and he's had some, some situations where there's a throw he needs to make and, and he doesn't do it. Now, in his defense, Jarvis did drop two easy ones uh, mm -hmm. on Sunday. And, yep. and that changes that line a little bit. And maybe it changes your approach after he makes those catches. I, I believe they both would have been for first downs. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I would like to see, you want to see Baker finish that game. You've got some opportunities there. And obviously in the fourth quarter, you're going to run the ball a lot and, and keep the clock moving. But uh, you, you would like to see Baker finish that game. And I do think Kevin Stefanski said something interesting today about Baker when he was asked about the throw he called in the fourth quarter instead of running the ball. And normally Kevin Stefanski isn't super blunt about this stuff, but he said, you know, I, I probably should have called a better play there, all of that stuff. But then he did mention, you know, Baker needs to understand that we've got to keep the clock running in that situation. 
So, you know, I haven't gotten to that play yet. I haven't gotten a chance to rewatch that play and see exactly what happened at this point. But I did think it was interesting that Kevin Stefanski kind of pointed out both sides on, on that particular play. Yes, absolutely. And, and the other thing uh, that he did was he pulled no punches today when I asked him, you know, Baker came out after that game and said that that was the worst game of the five that he's played. And so I asked Kevin Stefanski about that because at first he was saying, you know, a lot of the first half stuff was on me. I need to call a better game and that kind of stuff. But then in no uncertain terms, he's like, we can't have those kind of interceptions. We can't have two interceptions down the stretch in the second half of the game. You have to be getting better. You've got to be able to close out games. You have to win games in the fourth quarter. Games are tight. Games go back and forth. You have to step it up late in the game. And traditionally, Baker has not been a good fourth quarter quarterback. He has not been that. And it's kind of odd, right? I mean, I haven't really been able to figure out. Maybe he'll get it turned around because he's got so much talent around him right now. Um, but the defense is having to bail him out. Uh, the def defense, once again, had to kind of bail him out in this game. And, uh, you know, you don't want that. Great quarterbacks or really good quarterbacks have to match the play of when you go up against the Ben Roethlisberger, He's going to have to play really well this Sunday. Yeah. So, so here's the quote. I want to, I want to just look it up uh, okay. from the, uh, on, on if Kevin Stefanski regrets the play call to have the Mayfield pass on second down before uh, Dearness Johnson's big run. Yeah. Uh, he said, yeah, I think again, learn from those. Could I have given him a better play call? Yes. I think you will learn from that play as well that we have to make sure that the clock is running on that play. So, you know, just kind of an interesting, we yeah. don't see Kevin Stefanski be quite that, you know, it's, Blunt is almost too strong of a term, honestly, but we don't see him necessarily point things out like that publicly very often. So, so that stood out to me. And then, of course, you mentioned the answer to your question. That being said, though, five games in, based on what we saw last year, you know, even though there's some struggles there, even though there's some some misses, there's some throws you want back. I, I think it's I think it's safe to say Baker has definitely improved from what we saw in, in 2019. I. I you know, I don't know if it's to the levels of where he was in the back half of 2018, but we've talked about that before. And you've pointed out, you know, that they played a lot of bad defenses in that second half. So maybe, well, maybe you'll just, just throw that away at this point. And now we're kind of judging Baker. He had that disaster last year, a lot of bad things happening around him. And I think we've definitely seen improvement now into year three. Yes. And when you talk about that last part of 2018 that he played, in addition to the fact that two of those games were against the Bengals and their 32nd ranked defense. And, you know, you had the Falcons horrible defense uh, down that stretch. You had other Denver's bad defense. You had other, other games like that. In addition, yeah, Denver was down to like, a, they were like out of corners in that game. I remember. He had no corners. They were using, I don't know. They're probably using receivers at, at cornerback. Right now. <laughs> but, um, but in addition to, the the caliber of the opponent down the stretch there which i kept talking about that back then saying like wait a minute wait 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 <laughs> let's not carve the bust yet um in addition to that teams didn't have a lot of film on him yet they hadn't been able to really study his tendencies they hadn't been able to say hey you know what when he you know when he escapes to the right he struggles or whatever you know uh they they hadn't been able to do that it takes a while to get the film on those young guys and to, for 
different genius defensive coordinators to start dig, digging in there and figuring out what, uh, you know, what their little weaknesses are and things like that. So, um, but I do think that he has improved over last year, for sure. The scheme is better. The talent is better. The protection is better. Yesterday, he was only sacked one time. I mean, he had plenty of time to throw yesterday. You know, he, he really had uh, a nice opportunity to try to scan the field, go through his progressions, and, uh, and, and choose the, uh, the one-on-one matchup that he liked. So he's got it all set up for him. And once again, the defense continues to take the ball away and give it to him in good field possession position. So everything is set up for him to have success. And again, he just has to keep working and keep getting better. And the other thing, of course, that he has going for him is it's very clear that this coaching staff, you know, you, you talk about having film on a guy. It's very clear this coaching staff has watched the film on Baker Mayfield and crunched the numbers, looked at the data, and they know how to put him in positions where he can be successful. Uh, and, and that's a big step forward for him because that wasn't happening last year either. You know, when you're just running out 11 personnel over and over and over again and, and trying to put in air raid concepts and just throw the ball downfield constantly, it, it just put him in a, in a really unfair position last year. And I, th- you know, this is one stat that I really like. I wanted to look it up here while we were talking because I think it's important because it wasn't very good last year. And it was surprising that it wasn't very good last year. And that's from, from PFF. Um, and it's their stat on how a quarterback's doing when he's kept clean. And Baker is right around the middle of the pack right now with an, a rating of 109.2, which isn't great. Obviously, you'd like him to be a little higher. But I think one of the concerning things last year is he wasn't even performing well in that situation. So that's one of those little areas where we've seen that improvement from year two to year three and where this coaching staff seems to understand how to put him in better positions to be successful. And honestly, sometimes just take the easy stuff. Hey, here's Austin Hooper. He snuck out. He's wide open. Get him the football. That's an easy completion. That's an easy first down. Just take it. Absolutely. 100%. And I think the other thing to note, Dan, is that uh, the coaching staff is is still learning Baker, even though they broke down all of his tape and did all of that. When you plug a quarterback into a brand new system, he's in their system now. You have to see how he's going to operate and what the nuances are going to be for him in your scheme and in your system. Because this is different than Kirk Cousins. You know, he's not he's not as tall as Kirk Cousins or whatever. He might not be as mobile as somebody else. So I think Kevin Stefanski is making adjustments week to week, you know, I mean, you know, maybe you might not want to have him under center as much because, uh, you know, maybe he can't see the field as well in those situations. So maybe they're getting him out more in space on rolling him out and bootlegs and things like that, or getting him more in the shotgun uh, so that he can see things a little bit better. Uh, So I think Kevin Stefanski is learning him and what to call for him each week, but also Here's another thing, and I think this is important. They are also learning about all of the rest of the personnel. Now, I knew heading into this season that Rashard Higgins has a little bit of a knack for the touchdown catch, okay? I didn't know the exact numbers until you just looked them up, but all I know is that he just doesn't get that much playing time, but he's got a fair amount of touchdowns. But 
this coaching staff might not realize that, hey, you know what? Baker feels a little bit more comfortable throwing the ball or, you know, completing a pass to Richard in the end zone than he does to Odell. Why? I don't know. But that's the way it is right now. And it's, you know, they're just learning some of that about their own players. They don't know these guys either. They didn't have an off season with them. They were looking at them on a computer screen. They didn't see them every day in OTAs to know that, hey, you know, Baker, you know, is putting it on, you know, the left side of Odell's body and he likes it on the right or whatever. Um, so these guys are just, the coaching staff, they're, they're figuring out who is comfortable with each other and how they work together. Well, they're figuring it all out to the tune of four and one. So that's, yeah. that's kind of a scary thing if, if you really think about it, that they're still kind of trying to work through some things and, and figure things out. Right. Um, and they've managed to win four out of their first five games, including on Sunday against the Chargers. Okay, I think that'll do it here for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Of course, we'll be back with our daily pods all throughout the week, including our picks pod on Friday. And of course, we've got two new Gotta Watch the Tape episodes. Those are coming on Tuesday and I believe on Friday. Uh, I normally have whoever else we have on tell us about that. But unfortunately, I had some last minute adjustments here today. So like I said, we we went kind of old school with the Orange and Brown talk today, just uh, Mary Kay and I. Uh, So everybody, thanks for listening. Make sure you check out Football Insider. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the blue banner up at the top of the page.